Welcome to the Christian Ministry Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Now for today's message by Pastor Paul Kern. Well, welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here with us. My name is Paul Kern. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and if this is your first time, man, we want to welcome you guys. We're so glad that you're here with us. Uh, those of you who join us on a podcast or on our live stream, um, if, if you haven't been tuned into our message this year, uh, we've been talking a lot about faith, so we're just going to follow right along with that. Go in your Bibles to John chapter 17. And while you're going there, I just want to say it's great to be back. I've been on about a two-month hiatus, been in Belize for 10 days, and uh, then in Austin speaking at the Capitol for a weekend, and then went on vacation and just in, in ending up the year with Leaders Academy. So there was just a lot going on. But love being back with my church family and, and getting to preach. And like I said, we've been in the, the vision of this year of faith talked a whole lot about faith, and I'm just going to continue going right in this direction. So for those of you that are taking notes, the title of my message is Guard the Faith. Guard the Faith. And when I say guard the faith, I'm talking about, you know, guarding your own personal faith, but I'm also talking about guarding the faith of the church as a whole, guarding the, the message that Jesus Christ died to deliver to us as the church. Christians and Christianity have always been attacked and always will be attacked. They attack the message. They don't like hearing the truth. And so we have been commissioned by the Lord to guard what we have been entrusted with. And, you know, we understand, listen, authentic biblical Christianity is always going to run counter to culture. Amen? It's always going to run counter to culture. And, and we, we have been set up by Jesus to understand that and to know that. So let's, let's look here in John chapter 17. John 17, verse 13, Jesus says, Now I'm coming to you, and I've told you many things while I was with them in this world, so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. Everybody say word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. And I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Now listen to verse 17. Make them holy by your what? Truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So the word is truth. The word is what makes us holy. Amen? Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Verse 18. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Now that's what sanctification looks like. We are made holy by the Word. The Word transforms our thinking. The Word transforms our hearts. The Word changes us. Amen? How many of you have been changed? Boy, I have. Thank God. I needed to be changed. But Jesus made it very clear we are to be in the world. In other words, we are to be involved in influencing culture. But we are not of this world. We are not to be influenced by the culture. We are to be those who, we are to be agents of change. 
Amen? In culture. Jesus said that he has given us his word, which is truth. In verse 17, he says, we are made holy by the truth. So the opposite would be to become unholy by denying or perverting the truth of the gospel message that Jesus brought to us. Can I have an amen? Now, James chapter 3, verse 1, James says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, that's a sobering scripture, especially for pastors and shepherds and leaders. The Bible makes it very clear. When I stand before the Lord, I am going to be judged by a stricter measure because I stand up behind this pulpit preaching to people what the Bible says or what the Bible is supposed to be saying. Now, even if truth goes against the grain of culture, even if truth gets you persecuted, even by other believers or by your family members, we have been given a huge responsibility by the Lord to preach and teach that which is true. We have the mandate to guard the faith. The faith is the message that Jesus died to bring. And that message in our culture today is not popular. You know, I'm, I'm honestly, church, I'm really not concerned about persecution. I'm really not concerned about Christians being martyred. Anytime that there's been persecution throughout the history of Christianity, anytime people have been martyred for the faith, the blood that was spilt and the persecution that was endured caused revival to take place in culture. You know what really concerns me is that Christianity and the message of Christianity is no longer popular. Are we going to be able to stand up underneath not any longer being popular? Because it's not popular. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and if you want to turn there, you can. I'll, I'll pause just here for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. The Apostle Paul is charging Timothy with the responsibility of guarding the faith. He's a young man. He's called into ministry. He's starting out his calling. And so he's giving him a charge. And here is the charge. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Now, you've got to avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith following such foolishness. And we, like Timothy, we've been given the responsibility to guard what we have been trusted with. I looked up the word guard in the dictionary. The word guard means to protect against damage or harm. To protect against damage or harm. A person who keeps watch in order to protect something. Mm. We've been put in charge to protect the truth, to protect the message. This is the responsibility of pastors. This is the responsibility of shepherds. 
This is the responsibility of teachers and those who lead within the church. We've been given a solemn responsibility to protect, to guard what we have been entrusted. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. Paul says to Timothy, teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to what? Obey them. Now, some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote godly living. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Mm. See, pastors and shepherds have the responsibility to preach and teach the gospel, the truth. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. God sets the terms for what is true, not us. We have not been given the privilege to change the message. We've been given the mandate to guard it and proclaim it. That's what we've been called to do. We've heard a lot about, in the last couple of three years, about inclusiveness. I'm so tired of hearing about inclusiveness. It's, it's, it's a play on words. It's virtue signaling. And anybody who knows anything can, can pick this out. But, you know, you, you hear this preached about inclusiveness, you know, and the church should be inclusive, and, 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 and Jesus was inclusive. Was Jesus inclusive? I mean, we look at Jesus and see if Jesus was inclusive. I, I believe to a certain degree that Jesus, Jesus was inclusive, Jesus spent time with prostitutes and sinners, did he not? I'm thankful that the church was inclusive and welcomed me in as a sinner. I was lost. I needed to be saved. I needed God's grace. And so I was, I was welcomed in. We open our doors of our church to any sinner. Christian Ministries is open to any person who is living in sin. We want you to know that. Our doors are open. But understand, people who encountered Jesus, they walked away changed, not him. Jesus didn't change his message. Jesus spoke the truth. Our church will always be open to sinners. But our job is not to encourage people to continue to live in sin. Our job is to point people toward the truth, for them to repent, for them to bow their knee before the Lord Jesus Christ and to submit themselves to the truth of the gospel message. See, our job is not to embrace sin. Our job is not to affirm sin. And, and get it, church, I, I, you know, I get it. I, I realize that, that resisting sin is hard. And I'm not lacking in compassion for people who struggle against sin. I struggle against sin. I want grace. I need compassion as I struggle against sin. The Bible makes it very clear that we have a carnal nature and we have a spiritual nature. The Bible says that the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is, it's weak. So we all recognize that we struggle against a carnal nature. But listen, our master overcame sin and he gave us the power and ability to overcome it too. He wouldn't have told us to be holy if it wasn't possible for us to be holy. He wouldn't have said to live a godly sanctified life if it wasn't possible for us to give, 
to, to live a godly, sanctified life. God gave us his son. God gave us his word. God gave us his Holy Spirit. God gave us the nine fruit of the Spirit. God gave us the nine gifts of the Spirit. God has given us everything that we need, the Scripture says, for a life of godliness. See, we're called to guard the faith. And the trap that church leaders and believers are falling into today is looking at the church through the eyes of the world instead of through the eyes of God's kingdom. See, we're called to look at the word and the church through the eyes of God's kingdom. God has set conditions on entering his kingdom. God is inclusive. Not everybody's getting into God's kingdom. It's not a free-for-all. It's not like every faith and every religion and everybody's going to be saved and everybody's going to get to be in heaven. No, that's not what the Bible preaches. The Bible preaches that we must turn from sin. We must repent. We must follow Jesus Christ. And to follow Jesus Christ means that we are going to follow his teachings. It's, it's, it's crazy today that people are calling themselves Christians, but they don't follow the teachings of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. How can you call yourself a Christian if you're not going to follow the teachings of Jesus? See, Jesus is the Word. He is the Word. And His Word is what makes us holy. It's the Word that stopped me from sinning. It's the word that transformed my heart. It's the word that delivered me from my addictions. It's the word that made my heart soft. See, the word sanctified me. The word changed me. And this is where the church is struggling because you can denounce the sin and accept the sinner. And especially, we have a, we have a generation, our, our, our younger adults, it's difficult for them because they want to be so accepting of their friends, and you can be accepting of your friends as a person and not accepting of their sinful behavior. We've got to learn to separate these two things. Listen, the sinner is not the problem. The sin is. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. God forgives the sinner, but he won't overlook the sin. Clearly, we understand that God won't overlook the sin. God struck his son dead because of sin. The penalty of sin is death. And Jesus endured that death on the cross to pay for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Can I have an amen? See, the church struggles, but the church can't lead people astray. The church has a responsibility to preach the truth. Pastors and leaders and shepherds cannot be guilty of being wolves in sheep's clothing. The church cannot be false teachers that the Bible warned against. And this is what we're seeing today. You know, I started out my walk with Christ in 1988. I was 23 years old. I gave my heart to Jesus. And God began to bring certain voices into my life. Certain men that preached into my life that really impacted me for Christ. I mean, they really laid some foundational work for me as a, as a man of God and as a follower of Christ and being a, trying to be a man of integrity and godliness. And, and, and I, obviously, I've missed the mark in, in many ways, but that's been what I've strived to be. And it's been really sad for me these last 
five, 10 years to watch some of these men who were huge voices in my life now perverting the gospel, changing the message instead of guarding what they have been given to defend. We have an obligation to defend and guard the faith, not change the faith because culture has deemed the message outdated or unpopular. Boy, Josh preached a message here a couple of Sundays ago on hold the line. Hold the line. If you didn't get to hear it, you need to listen to it. Such a great, great message. But as a true follower of Christ, listen, you will be called homophobic. You will be called transphobic. You will be called a hater. You will be called spiritually abusive. You will be called legalistic. And we are none of those things. I am none of those things. We are Christians. We are Christ followers. And we are called to hold true to the message that Jesus brought. The church needs to stop talking and preaching, and I'm hearing this about inclusion and equality and diversity. We need to return to the wholesome teachings of Jesus where he preached about atonement and salvation and repentance and how to be a doer of God's word. That's what we need to be preaching. See, the only way that we can truly help people is by telling them the truth. That's the only way I changed. The Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin. It pointed out what was wrong with me in my life. Paul, you're a liar. You're a thief. You're a fornicator. You're a sinner. You're an alcoholic. You're a drug addict. You've got to repent of those things if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. See, somebody had to speak that truth to me. And that was loving. That wasn't hateful. That was loving. Somebody had to come to me and love me enough to diagnose my sickness. To not diagnose my sickness just to tell me that I'm okay and it's all right. That's not loving. That's cruel. It took somebody speaking truth for me, for me to repent, for me to change. And that's the only way we can help people. See, we're called to be counterculture. Counterculture. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not, everybody say that, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I don't care what Target is preaching. I don't care what Walmart is preaching. I don't care what Disney is preaching. I don't care what any of these people are preaching. We are called to guard the faith. Who, amen. Who, who are we waiting to guard the faith? Who is going to do it if we don't? Like Josh said, who's going to hold the line? Who are we waiting for God to rise up and be that agent of change in culture? We are God's elect. We are who God has called to proclaim the message. The Bible says, let God transform you by changing the way you think. Boy, there was a lot of change that had to happen in my mind. 
When I got married to my beautiful wife, man, I had to start changing the way I think. There was a lot of things that I was taught about being a man that was wrong. I've had to change the way I think a lot the past 20 years about the way I view so many things in my life. What has influenced that thinking? The word, the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sidney Ross was sharing in our church Wednesday. Man, it was so good. If you didn't get to hear uh, Sidney share her word, I really want to encourage you um, to go back and listen. But there was a quote that Sidney read, and, and basically she was talking about, just in context, she was talking about the, um, the Israelite army and how they had the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was what, they had in their midst and you know lots of times it would go before them as they were going into war and there was a quote that she read and it was very interesting because religion had overtaken the Israelite people and they were far from God and they were defeated and lost a battle and so they sent for the ark and they put it before them and then they were soundly defeated it was terrible 30,000 men were killed and they were just flabbergasted as to why they were defeated what happened and this was a quote that she read. It says, The presence of the ark in the war is not a magical means with power to bring about victory. The role of the ark in the war is that the army carrying it will be influenced by it. That the army camp will be a holy place. When the nation is not influenced by the ark, it becomes nothing more than a piece of wood, piece of, of art coated with wood and gold, and the tablets become nothing more than pieces of stone etched with letters. See, in the Old Testament, the ark housed the presence. And the presence was meant to transform those that were in its midst. The church today is meant to be the ark that houses the presence of God for the world. For the world. And just like the Old Testament ark, when the church is no longer influenced by the presence, it's nothing more than a building full of man-made ambitions and idols. That's all the church is. And sadly, many churches today in the United States of America are becoming churches like this. The mandate of the church is to be a city on a hill. The mandate of the church is to be salt and it is to be light. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 20. Jesus, boy, he goes through this discourse. And I want to read these words to you just to remind us all. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, salt is a, is a preservative. Okay, it's an agent that preserves things. Like in the Old Testament, they didn't have refrigeration, so they would put salt on meat to keep it from rotting. So it preserves things. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light, light, light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see the good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. 
I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the, listen, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. If the church loses its saltiness, it becomes useless. It's just another man-made organization. If the church ceases to be a purifying agent in culture, then the culture becomes corrupt. You know, I hear people complaining about we have so many churches, so many churches. Why do we have so many churches? There's so much division. I thank God for every church on every corner in every city and every town all across America and all over our world. The church is the purifying agent in the world. It's what pushes back the darkness. And this is why Scripture says that we are never to compromise the truth. We can't forget, church, we can't forget, evil never rests. The devil never rests. He is always looking for a way to deceive and to taint everything that is good and holy and true. Now, he's smart. He does this very subtly over a long period of time erosion slowly takes place and that's why the bible says that we need to be alert vigilant because our enemy the devil he prowls around like a what a roaring lion looking for people that he can devour the scripture says that we are in the world but we are not of the world See, we're called to uphold the truth, even if that means persecution from your friends, from your coworkers, even your own family members will persecute you if you stand up for the truth. See, we just don't read the Gospels enough to know what the Gospel is about. And so we have a world now, in America especially, full of Christians that do not know what it means to be a Christian because they don't read the letters in red. How can you know what it means to be a Christian if you don't read the letters in red, if you don't know what Jesus said? Oh, Jesus was loving and accepting and peaceful. Yes, yes, I 100% agree with that. But Jesus was also wrathful and vengeful and truthful. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, listen to these words. These are the words of our Savior. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a son against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies 
will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or their mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or their daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. See, Jesus has set us up. He's forewarned us that if we stand for truth, we will be persecuted. We, be, we will be attacked by culture. We will even be attacked by our own family members. Listen, and I, I like you, I want to get along with everybody. I want everybody to like me. I want to be peaceful. I'm not going around poking a bear. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to provoke people. I'm not trying to make people feel like I'm attacking of them. I want to love people. We're called to love people. Amen? Clearly, the Bible says without love, you're just a ganging clong and just a loud-sounding symbol. You've got to have love. Love is so important, and we all need to walk in love. But we cannot change the message. That is not what we have been called to do. We have been charged to guard it, to teach it, and to preach it. Like I said, Josh preached a couple Sundays back, hold the line. If we don't hold the line, our country is going is to suffer the natural consequences of sin. Our country is already suffering the natural consequences of sin. We are already experiencing the curse of God's judgment on our country. We have people who don't know who they are, where they came from, or where they're going. We have people that are doing all kinds of vile, evil things in this world. And many of those people, the reason that they're doing what they're doing is because we as the church have not stood up and preached the truth. I don't want to see our country experience God's wrath. I don't want to see our country get any worse than it already is. But if we don't guard the faith, it's going to continue to get worse. So that leads me to my second point. Not just guarding the faith of Christianity, but guarding the faith in your own personal life. So very important. We've been talking about faith this year. You've got to guard your own personal faith. As a matter of fact, the great Apostle Paul, when he was putting Timothy, this young man, in charge of doing God's work, he told him in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I remember your genuine faith, for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother and your mother. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. And this is why I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, come on, timidity. No, 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 no. God has given us the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. See, you and I have to be vigilant to guard our own heart against the seductive tide of culture. Moral failure is not like a blowout on the highway of life. That's not how moral failure happens. Moral failure is a slow leak over a long period of time. 
It's just little compromises, little, little things that we begin to allow culture to entice us into. And listen, culture is enticing. Culture is alluring. Culture is seductive. Adam and Eve were seduced at the very beginning of time. I mean, why can't two people who are of the same sex be married if they love each other? What do you care? Why can't a woman have the right over her own body? It's her body. If she chooses to abort the baby that God has blessed her with, it's her right. Why do you care how many genders we have? What are you guys making such a big deal about that for? If we want to have 125 genders, if gender is fluid, what does it matter to you? Why does it matter? And here's the thing. If you don't know the word and you are not firmly rooted in the word, then what you will become is a carnal Christian. Like so many other Christians that are out there today. As a matter of fact, we read this in the book of Matthew, chapter 24. It warns us that these things will take place and that even the elect of God will be deceived. Even the elect. Now, here's what I want our church to know. Nobody wakes up one day and all of a sudden you're brainwashed by the culture. Movies, music, friends, stuff you read, thoughts that you have that you don't take captive. And before you know it, five years of time will go by really, really fast and you'll be a completely different Christian than you were five years prior. We've got to be aware of this. We are called to resist sin, not make excuses for our sin. We are called to preach truth, not make concessions for people's shortcomings. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on who Jesus the word truth not culture I don't care what this preacher's preaching I don't care what that preacher's preaching I don't care what that church is saying I don't care what that corporation is is pushing what agenda they're trying to slide in, the scripture says we fix our eyes on Jesus who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why did he go to the cross? Because he stood up for the truth. Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is a warning for us. This is a warning for the modern day church. Truth matters. It is important. Guarding the faith matters. Living a holy life matters. Here's the thing. As a parent, if I sit in this chair right here, this generation, this chair 
is as hot as I'm going to be for the Lord. It will be no hotter. I sit in this chair. The people that I raise, they will sit in the next chair. That chair is not going to be as hot as this chair. And that following chair will not be as hot as that chair. We've got to understand that as parents, we have a mandate to teach, equip, and train our young people in truth. To, amen, amen. To expose them to the teachings of Jesus. That's what we're doing in Christian Ministries Academy. That's what we're doing in Applied Life Leaders Academy. And once again, we have not been given the liberty to change the message. We have given the mandate and the charge to teach the message. And that's what we're going to do right here in Christian Ministries Church. We're not going to get up here and pervert the gospel. We're not going to change the message. We're not going to be false teachers in sheep's clothing like the Bible warns us about. We've been given a sacred responsibility by the Lord. And like I said, if we don't stand up for the truth and be willing to suffer for his namesake, who will? If we're not going to guard the gospel, who will? It is our responsibility. And I want to encourage our church today. I want to encourage you. I know this message was a little heavier, but, but we did, we're in a day and time where we need to wake up. We got to get focused we got to realize that there's an enemy out there. We've got, we've got young people that are just so utterly confused. I mean, what kind of message? I mean, I, I, I think about these men that I mentioned who preached in my life so many years ago, and they preached against sin, and they preached for righteousness. And so many people, they, they, they patterned their life after these men. They repented of lifestyles and made changes. Homosexuals who, who had, ten, you know, people who had tendencies toward homosexual uh, tendencies, they, they, they stopped that to live a righteous life. And that was difficult for them. They, they buffeted their bodies to make it their slaves. And now we've got these men coming back now and saying that it's okay. We were wrong. Well, where does that leave those people? What does that do for them? I'll tell you where it leaves them. Disenfranchised. They turn their back on the church, and sadly, they turn their back on the Lord. See, we, we have to understand that when we do it to the least of these, we do it unto him. And Jesus said, woe to those, woe to you. It would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea for you to lead one of these little ones astray. We can't be found guilty of doing that. We have a responsibility to preach the truth. Who is going to be God's faithful? Who is going to be God's elect? A younger generation that's coming up. You guys have the responsibility to lead. You have a responsibility to set the tone. You have a responsibility to serve, to give, to let people see the pattern by which it is that you're supposed to live by. Those of us who are older, we have a responsibility to model it, to teach it, to serve, to give, to stand up for what is right. Who's going to be those elect that God finds faithful? Jesus said, when I return to the earth, will I find faith? 
Will I find faith? Well, if you go to Christian Ministries Church, you'll find faith. Because we're going to stand on the Word, we're going to preach the truth, and we're not going to change it just because it's not popular, just because we'll be, we'll be persecuted or talked about. Hey, praise God. Count it all joy. The way I look at it, if you're not encountering some kind of resistance, you're probably playing for the wrong team. At least that's the way it was when I played football. You got on the line, and I mean, there was impact, man. There was conflict because I was on the opposite side. That's the way it works. I want to close with the words of Joshua. Joshua addressed the people of Israel. They were right on the outskirts of the promised land. Moses has passed, his, his mentor, and... Um, God is rallying, rallying Joshua and encouraging him, telling him to be strong, telling him to be bold. The people had just been so misdirected. They worshiped the bells and the idols. It caused all kinds of problems for them. And in verse 14, it says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors and wor- that they worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates and the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, we're not perfect. I'm not about to stand up here and say that we are. I don't say anything that I said today in animosity. Once again, I'm not looking down on anybody. Our church is open. It will always be open to sinners. I'm glad so because we're all here because we were accepted by this church even when we were sinners. Thank God I was welcomed in. But I'm also very thankful that people preach the truth to me and that truth set me free listen love covers a multitude of sin and we need it but love never set anybody free the only thing that will set you free is truth the truth spoken in love we are to have grace we are to have mercy we are to have steadfastness as we teach and train and disciple but we're not called to change the message. What we're called to do is guard the faith. Amen? Amen. Did y'all get something out of this? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, God, to love people. But help us to guard the truth. Lord, give us your wisdom. Help us to stand strong. We want to honor you with our lives, Lord. And we want to do a good job of protecting the faith, guarding it, keeping watch over it. God, go before us this week. Help us to be salt and help us to be light to those that we encounter in our culture. We'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.